Want the reward? Do the damn work. Challenge yourself. Inspire change. Choice, not luck. Hi, everybody. Todd Crandall from Ignite Euphoria podcast, and I am I am excited. I really am personally and professionally to welcome Casey from PETA today. How are you? Hi, Todd. I'm doing so great. Thank you for having me on your show. I'm happy to be here. This is, it's like, this is business for me at Racing for Recovery, but this subject and your organization, this is very personal to me. So I'm, I'm flattered to have you on the show. A lot to talk to you about today. Um, so I don't know if you want to ask me a question first based on what we talked about yesterday, or you just want to start talking about some of the things that you want to get covered today. But how about we talk about this? Mm-hmm. Why is this subject of being vegan so important to you? And then we'll transfer that into your work with PETA. Why is it so important to you on a personal level? Sure. So I love animals like most people do. And I've always wanted to help them. And I realized that just by being vegan, I can help animals three times a day with what I eat. I can spare them intense suffering, bodily mutilations and death just by going vegan. It's the simplest thing to do and it feels great. And, and also it's like at the root of veganism is like doing unto others as you would want to be done to yourself. So treating everyone with respect and kindness and extending that compassion to animals. Great answer. Why? And I am going to, I want to keep talking about this for a second. Um, When did you become vegan? Like how old were you? So it was about 10 years ago. Um, It was my new year's resolution. um, And the reason I went vegan ultimately was from watching a film called Earthlings. Uh, I found it online. I encourage everyone to check this film out. It will change your life. And you can find it at nationearth.com. From that moment, I decided to go vegan and never looked back. And it's been the best decision of my life. You know, I love you saying that I made that same type of change on February 1st of 2016 because I was watching some things on YouTube or Netflix or whatever, and and Earthlings was one of those, and it it changed my life. It was like another sobriety date for me where I said, I I cannot do this anymore, Um, and like you, it, it changed my life. So, and the reason I'm asking you this is I can understand prior thinking. Like for me, before I really knew what we were doing with, you know, let's just say it what it is, murdering animals and eating them. Mm -hmm. Prior to that, I didn't know. But I think once you know, it, to me, it's a no-brainer of why someone wouldn't change. So maybe you want to talk about your feelings on that and then transfer that into the work you're doing with PETA that hopefully gets people to see things differently. Absolutely. And so I like to share that I grew up in Pennsylvania where people had farms and my dad was a butcher. So growing up, I saw dead deer, cows and other animals hanging in our garage. My dad would cut them up. And so that was 
some of my early experiences at the time it seemed normal because your family teaches you your values and what's normal um but it was thanks to an activist who actually handed me a factory farming booklet when i was in college and seeing those images of animals crammed into cages chickens having their beaks seared off with hot blades pigs having their testicles sliced open and their tails cut off I, it just crushed me. I had no idea those things were happening. And then I looked back and thought, well, even though the animals that I saw in my community were living outdoors, they still had knives drawn across their necks and were killed. And so I realized, you know, it did take some time, but eventually I decided this doesn't align with my values. I need to make a change. And so once your actions align with your values, you're in alignment and it feels really good. It's a, it's cathartic or a cleansing, if you will, right? Yes. So when yes. did you join PETA? And let's talk about the great work you guys are doing. And, and two, we can't forget like how you guys found us with our <laughs> vegan chef, Dean. So go ahead and talk about those things that you need to share sure. with everybody. Um, sure. So for, for me, I joined PETA first as a volunteer. We have something called the Action Team Volunteer Network. So I was going to PETA events. I was protesting to speak up for animals, um, passing out literature, just like somebody had done to me when I was in college that changed my life. Um, and so as a volunteer, I got to know more about the organization. Um, for anyone who doesn't know, PETA, or People for the Ethical Treatment of Animals, is the world's largest animal rights organization with more than 9 million members and supporters worldwide. Um, we do focus our efforts on the four areas that animals suffer the most intensely, and that is in the food industry, the clothing industry, the entertainment industry, and the experimentation industry. Um, and so I applied and I got hired on the action team. I'm now the action team manager. Um, I've been with PETA for almost 10 years. I'm coming up on my anniversary date in January. Um, and so I would encourage anyone who wants to help and get involved, please join us. You can go to PETA.org slash action team and we can invite you to our events, send you free literature and stickers and give you all kinds of simple things simple and easy things that you can do to help animals in your daily life. Wow. This, so really this podcast is giving you really an opportunity to educate our, our viewers, uh, you know, at racing for recovery, we are a plant-based organization. Uh, like I mentioned, our chef, chef Dean, who's a success story of ours at racing for recovery. He's doing a fabulous job in that kitchen because we believe that if you want to sustain sobriety exercise and nutrition are paramount and everything else that will build into our successful sobriety so you have carte blanche to talk about whatever you want but educate people on what you guys are doing and why it's so important well thank you i mean i would i would love to tell people about our thanks vegan campaign we're encouraging people everywhere to celebrate a compassionate holiday this Thanksgiving and all year long. It's very easy to veganize the staples, like the Thanksgiving staples that we all know and love. Um, for example, you can dine on meat-free holiday roasts. My favorite one is Trader from Trader Joe's. It's so good, it has mushroom gravy with it. You can make green bean casserole and stuffing with say vegan broth, um, vegan, uh, 
pumpkin pie with coconut whipped cream, and even things like uh, mashed potatoes, but with dairy-free milk and butter. Uh, and also 49% of Americans say they are interested in adding more vegan food to their diet. So the best place to start is at PETA.org slash thanksvegan, where we have a helpful guide that you can use to celebrate a vegan holiday. Do you find, Casey, that a lot of people, they, they just don't know how really to, and I call it a lifestyle. It's a lifestyle of compassion. But do you think that people just don't really know how to live this way? Because, and the reason I'm asking that is, I'll hear that. I think people in general are nice, kind, caring, loving people. They just don't know what this is. And even when they start to have an interest in it, they don't know how to do it. It's kind of, there's a lot of parallels with people coming into sobriety. They, they want it. They just don't know how to do it. So again, you're, you're talking about recipes, which is one of the things that people here at Racing for Recovery, they want more education on. What are some basic things that people can do on a daily basis? Sure. I'm glad you asked. So, you know, some of the reasons that people eat meat are habit tradition, culture, convenience, or they just like the taste. So when you go vegan, you do learn new foods. So instead of relying on the same old foods that you're used to eating, it's a learning process. So for me, I learned there are so many wonderful sources of plant-based proteins, which athletes need to thrive. And you can get that from beans, peas, tofu, tempeh, couscous, quinoa, farro, all these things I had not heard of. Now I know they're there and they're excellent sources of protein, fiber, antioxidants, and things that power us and don't drain us or make us sick or feel sluggish. Um, and we do have a vegan guide. It's called the Vegan Starter Kit. We offer it for free to anyone who goes to our website and requests it, and that's PETA.org. And we are here to help. You know, we want to help people make steps to transitioning to a cruelty-free vegan diet. So we've talked about the, you know, and let's, again, we got to just say what it is, the murdering. And I, I, I'd like you to share some of the numbers on that. I think it's over a billion quite a few billion animals that we're murdering every year. So you you can talk numbers if you want, and I encourage you to do that. Can you also talk about the impact on a, on a health environment for our world and our bodies, what eating meat and dairy does to our bodies and the world, and what not eating it does to our bodies and the world? Sure. So tens of billions of animals are raised and slaughtered for food. And mostly they're kept on filthy factory farms, which are the breeding grounds for diseases to spread. And they do. They make us sick like E. coli, salmonella, and other um, pathogens and widespread viruses that can transfer to humans like COVID-19, for example. Um, and so the animals are sick and stressed. Their bodies are being mutilated, like I mentioned earlier. They don't get any painkillers, and they're killed after a short, miserable life, often by having a neck sliced—you know, having their neck sliced open. Um, and these animals are thinking individuals who are aware of what's being done to them. They feel pain and fear. They can also make friendships and form bonds, and and it's very beautiful, just like we recognize in dogs and cats. Other animals have these same abilities, just like us. Um, and on a global scale, uh, 
the animal agriculture industry is devastating the planet. It is a leading source of um, deforestation in the rainforest to make grazing land for cattle or to grow soybeans to feed cattle. Um, we're seeing water scarcity, ocean dead zones. There's not many fish left where there used to be plentiful fish. Um, and so it is like a human rights issue as well that we go vegan today because we only have one planet and we need to do everything possible to protect it. You know, I think of, I think it's in uh, Game Changers or, and we can talk about the, some great resources on Netflix, Game Changers, yeah. Knives Over Forks, uh, Seaspiracy, Cowspiracy. But in one of those movies, I learned that A, we're going to have fishless oceans by 2048 and then it takes 600 gallons of water to make one cheeseburger. And I, when you start thinking about that or that every second we're taking 100 acres of the rainforest away for the cattle industry, those are things that they're not coming back. Mm -hmm. And these are the things, again, when we're talking like this, it's not to condemn what people are doing. It's not to belittle, belittle them or to tell them they're bad people. It's just putting some facts out there that are really undisputable and then giving them a choice as to what they want to do with that. And that's where that conscious decision comes up, where you talk about your actions and your values are aligning. Is there, are there any other facts that you want to put in there on a, on a health impact, you know, with like healthcare? Do you have any numbers on that that you can share? Well, I'd like to share that some of the leading causes of human illness are diet related, type two diabetes, heart disease, like cardiovascular disease um, are some of the leading killers of Americans. And we can slash that uh, you know, risk just by changing what we eat. Um, for example, cholesterol, let's say, is exclusively found in animal flesh, fat, milk and eggs you don't find it in plants so if you're suffering from high cholesterol and you want to take charge switch to a healthy vegan diet it's the most optimal diet for humans the american dietetic associate association tells us that a vegan diet is healthy at every stage from infancy to um, adulthood and into the elder years so um, it's better for you too and the planet and the animals that's right it's threefold right the trifecta yes. Yes. So I, I'm still, I'm so thankful. And it's a interesting way about when you put goodness into the world, it comes back to you. And again, I think of, I think of Chef Dean, you know, coming into racing for recovery because he was battling an addiction. He's sober. He was planning on leaving the, the cooking industry, but we offered him a job to do what we're passionately about here. And that's plant-based food. And he is absolutely thriving in that kitchen. And by doing one episode with our local television station, somehow you guys found us. So I have no idea what how that happened. Can you talk about that? Absolutely. So um, a reporter with NBC Toledo had come to your kitchen at Racing Recovery to do a vegan cooking segment. So we're always uh, excited at the opportunity to thank reporters for featuring vegan cooking on live television so we sent a thank you like letting them know that we appreciated that they did that and i believe they shared it with you and then that is how we took the next step to having this podcast discussion and what we really loved was that um you shared that your kitchen is all plant-based yeah. and that it was a big part of your recovery and your program so i would love to hear from you 
what was the turning point that made you go vegan and decide to incorporate it into your program? Well, it's been hard. You know, self-esteem or a lack of self-esteem based on traumatic events that happen to people are about 90% of the folks that come into Racing for Recovery. You know, I hear horrific things that people have endured which results in not feeling good about self, which then results into a choice to use drugs as a coping skill. So I'm myself, I'm I'm in that category, you know, so I've experienced these things on my own. So just with that fact of self-esteem, once I was sober and started getting more physically active, you know, I I've done a few Ironman triathlons, which led me to form Racing for Recovery. I just wanted to give back and service and constantly get better as a human being and have that equate to having Racing for Recovery be a better service to those in need. So what? how does that ter- translate into you know, being vegan? Um, a couple of things. My youngest daughter, Madison, who works with us, Uh, for a number of years, she kept trying to get me to buy her a pig, you know, you know, I love animals, you know, we've had cats, we've had, you know, dogs and my little daughter's like, dad, I want a pig. And I kept saying, no, we're not getting a pig. We're not having a pig. And I, and she was disappointed. So I was still trying to be the good dad. So I offered her a, um, an olive branch, if you will, and Dads, if you're listening out here, pay attention to what I'm saying. I said to her, okay, I'll get you a pig if you can find one. Within a week, she found a pig and immediately said to me, Dad, you said if I found a pig that we could have him. So we brought this little creature into our home. His name is Milo, and we got him as a little baby. He's not that way anymore. But this was probably you know, maybe four or five months into me being vegan. And again, as I said earlier, I went vegan based on seeing a couple of things. And I said, I can't be a part of that. Mm -hmm. But when we got Milo, it just enhanced my decision. So every time I looked at him in the morning, it brought gratitude, um, compassion, empathy, peace, um, seeing life through his eyes it just, it changed, it enhanced my life. Being vegan changed my life. My pig Milo enhanced it. So then I just started trying to think, how can I take what has, what I've learned and incorporating it into racing for recovery? And that's been an interesting experience because I don't want to mandate to our staff or to clients that come to us, you have to live this way because that's not how we think. However, I don't have to serve dead animals to people. So I made a, a I guess, a business change and a, a um, what else do I want to call it? Um, I wanted to have my personal values align with my professional values. And I said, we're not having that stuff in our building. Mm-hmm. And having a goal of having a chef on site who can cook for people has just been one of our greatest gifts of now we can actually offer plant-based foods where people then can taste it, they can learn about it, and the longer they consume it, they will feel 
what we are talking about. And that's one of the things that I'm so thankful for Dean and our volunteers that are in that kitchen is people may come in and they may say, I don't want to eat this crap or whatever it is. Well, you eat that or you're going to starve. So it's a very slow, kind process just to get people to look and then put some action into what we're doing and watching them get their own results. So there's a very long-winded message to your your question, but um, we're here. I'm thankful for it. And now I just want to get uh, even better with what we're doing in our kitchen. Yeah, I think it's so easy to make these simple swaps for people who are interested to learn. There's eggless mayo, um, dairy-free cheese, milk, creamer, coconut cream whip, ice cream. All these things are available. So you don't really have to do without. You just try a vegan version. And there's many to try. So you can try a few and decide which one you like best. Um, And you were talking about your pig. That's so awesome that you shared your home with an individual and learned about their personality and how wonderful they are. Um, And I wanted to also just segue into turkeys. So turkeys respond to their name. They remember faces, they form friendships. They're very curious, very interesting birds. Um, We did an investigation in Plainville Farms in Pennsylvania. This is a series of factory farms that supplies turkeys. And this particular farm, they claim to be humane. They claim that the turkeys are raised in a quote, stress-free environment. Mm. And what our investigators found were that workers were actually kicking the birds, stomping on them, Mm. picking them up, you know, big 40 pound birds, picking them up by a single fragile wing and then hurling them at other workers and at other birds as if it were some kind of sick game, demented. Um, beating them with crowbars, slamming them into wire cages. It just, the abuse never ended. It was, it was just awful. And so from this investigation, we submitted all the footage and evidence to the Pennsylvania State Police. It took a year of pressuring the department to file charges, but they finally did just recently. Um, they filed 141 cruelty to animals charges including including six felony aggravated cruelty to animals charges against 11 workers in six different counties in Pennsylvania. This was very widespread. And this was the most charges and defendants in a factory farm case in US history. So this is where we're at. And what, what we're facing right now is that stores still have these frozen turkeys on their shelves with misleading labels like humane. And they fool people into thinking that somehow there was no suffering involved. And so we're urging people to don't be fooled by those labels. If it says organic, humane, stress-free, any of that, it doesn't mean anything for the animals. They all died in the end. And so we really encourage people to choose a vegan holiday uh, roast this Thanksgiving and all year long. There's so many recipes and foods available. Um, so, yes, I just wanted to share that and, and let people know what's really going on. I love that. When people will say, well, they're humanely killed. I'm like, yes. well, what is what does that even mean? It's the N word. They're killed. I mean, you can't, I, I just don't, I don't understand that, you know? Yeah. And some of the things these workers did were so 
uh, vile, like they actually would pick a bird up by the head, shake them up and down in order to break their neck, and then performed mock sexual acts on the birds and kicked them and left them to die. I mean, some of these birds were so sick, they were lame, they couldn't walk or stand up. And so the workers would just kick them on um, like a football. So, and also for the workers, it's like what we find are a lot of people, they're maybe stressed, economically downtrodden. Maybe they can't find work anywhere else. And so we also want workers to know too, that like if you can transition to a new line of work, PETA often makes offers to people to help retrain people who are in animal exploitive industries and help them to come out of that and transition into a new kind of farming with plants. Um, and so we want to help. We want to help. There's change. so many parallels with the work that you're doing that the same thing at Racing for Recovery, we're, we're getting people to transition out of a lifestyle of addiction into one of, life, of health and wellness. In fact, we have had people as clients that did work in slaughterhouses at one point yeah. who were, you know, coming into racing for recovery. They would share some of their experiences of working in that environment and what it had done to them psychologically and sometimes what they used drugs and alcohol wise to cope with what they were doing during the work, the work day. Um, one of them was employed here for a while. So it's been... It's been interesting. I wish I could give everybody in the slaughterhouse employment uh, a job here. I can't, but we are very cognizant of trying to, you know, employ people in general. But anybody who is suffering from addiction who is in that field, we would love to help them to see the light and live a better way. That's for sure. That's a really great point. I mean, workers in slaughterhouses suffer from drug and alcohol addiction, high rates of depression, even as domestic abusers, you know, furthering that abuse at home on their families and harming themselves. So it, it's like a cycle of violence, yep. you know, surrounding yourself with violence, it just feeds more violence. Um, and so we do want, yes, to, to extend an olive branch basically and, and welcome people to come out of those industries and transition into something else. Let me, let's talk about this for a minute. Do you, is there anything that you see uh, a partnership between Racing for Recovery and PETA? Because I'm still astonished over, you know, how many views have happened and how many people have seen what we were doing in our kitchen. We want to get more people to do that as we're educating them through your great work. Are there any things that we can do uh, collaboratively? I'm sure we can find something. We do work with all kinds of groups to, you know, share the cause of helping animals. Um, some of the things that we do uh, are we have um, partnerships where we do vegan food giveaways. So we work with um, leaders in their community, sometimes pastors or even politicians to do a community vegan giveaway, whether it's like a vegan roast um, like we're doing now for Thanksgiving. Um, we also have loads of free literature and supplies. So if you were to need something for your audience, like um, free vegan starter kit guides, leaflets, stickers, we are happy to supply those things. Um, we also have a volunteer network. So maybe there's some way we could partner on um, joining up to do an event to help animals. 
I love that this has been a, f a fabulous conversation. The information, we definitely want some of that. I do, Julie, is there anything you want to ask as we're thinking? No? Okay. I, I, I've talked to a couple of staff members about doing this today, and I was wondering if any questions wanted to come in. But, you know, Casey, is there any final thoughts you want to share with everybody? Yeah, I would love to um, also share with people something they can do this winter. You know, we're at the start of the holiday shopping season. Um, this is something we ha I haven't covered yet. So if I can just have a few minutes yes. to talk about one more item. Yep. Um, great. So we're at the start of the holiday shopping season with Black Friday and Cyber Monday just around the corner. And we're PETA is encouraging everyone to choose warm, luxurious, vegan fabrics that didn't cause an animal suffering or harm. So I just want to let people know that, you know, being vegan is great and it also extends beyond what we eat to what we wear and other parts of our lives. So um, people uh, may not know that wool is not just a haircut. Sheep are punched and stomped on, their skin is cut to shreds. Sometimes they're left with missing nipples, teats rather. Um, and we have documented this in more than large, more than 100 large scale wool operations on different continents, including the US, South America, Australia. Um, and so if you just check the tag and leave it on the rack, if there's any animal um, skin or fiber like wool, cashmere, leather, um, and opt for vegan luxurious materials instead. Yeah. Great, well said. I, I can't thank you enough for coming on today, Casey. I look forward to showing this. We're going to hopefully have it up by next Tuesday on our, our Facebook page and our YouTube pages, and we will be talking offline to further enhance this partnership. Great. Thank you, Todd. I enjoyed my time here today, and I look forward to talking with you more in the future. Thanks a lot for joining us on Ignite Euphoria, everybody. We'll see you soon. Have a good day.